Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me, Al Murray, and James Holland, your Second World War podcast. Okay, 19th of September. British moved three tank brigades to a central southern position and two infantry brigades as well. Railway gangs drafted into London for repairs. Two agents dropped in Calais, Lave, Kiel, Antwerp. Infantry radio chatter heard from Kiel. Royal Navy continually patrolling off Cromer. The German deception plan vessels sail. Uh, 1700 hours, coastal command in North Sea, see, see Cone, Nuremberg, Emden, Bremser, which are diversions sailing to the Yorkshire coast. Units in the North Sea alerted, especially reinforced. 1800 hours, Condor sites, HMS Norfolk, Newcastle and further south, K-class, 5K-class destroyers. German airstrike of 10 Dorney 17s goes in and slightly damages Newcastle. 1830 hours, the two forces meet, Emden and Bremser lost, Britain light, British lightly hit except Norfolk, which must return to base for some repairs. Now, Jim, these are the opening moves, the opening salvos on the 19th of September in Operation Sea Lion. The Germans finally going ahead with their, um, they're trying to prepare the battlefield here for a full um, um, amphibious landing on the 21st of September, 1940. And these are from the log of the war game at, at Sandhurst uh, in conjunction with Camberley and the Daily Telegraph from January 1974. And it's, amazing. It's the most amazing thing. There's a seven-day battle log. They ran seven days of an invasion and the, and the two days prep for it, basically. They ran seven days of the invasion and they uh, ran it to the point where basically the Germans um, evacuate and bug out and only get only, I think, three six thousand men back to France. So how many put in the bag? Um, uh, Thirty-two thousand men are captured. Uh, um, are in the bag because the landings the landings go horribly wrong. Um, okay, that's might, good to know. As you might expect, uh, this is the, the it's absolutely fascinating. This so this is a, a war game run by uh, uh, Paddy Griffith um, with Richard Cox from the Daily Telegraph. And what's very interesting about this is. Is Griffith is the grand is the daddy of modern wargaming. Is the absolute, he's he's the he's the hallowed be his name of of British wargaming. And um, we've talked we have talked to discussed wargaming on on the podcast before, but this is the wargame sort of uh, 
of all, uh, uh, the, 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 where finally the army were persuaded that maybe they want to do this, maybe wanted to get involved. The Daily Telegraph paying for it all is what basically brought Camberley and Sandhurst um, in, offering to pay for it all. And it, the story is absolutely fascinating. And the reason Griffith did it and got so interested in this idea of actually running the sea line game is there have been lots of books, you know, about narrative histories of of how the how this would would have been won by the Germans. You know, an SSGB is an example of what where it just says, well, it just kind of happened and the British British folded when the yeah, don't like Germans it. showed don't like up it. and all that. It doesn't go into it. And what's really interesting is Griffiths wanted to actually try and run the battle on Kriegspiel rules. So it's a clo- what's called a closed game where neither side knows what the other knows. Neither side knows right. how the other side's making your decisions. You get... You, you know, so that so during the game, they ran the losses the way that the British and the, you know, so the, the, the British would look at claims, RAF tended to look at claims and then knock a few off and go, you know, look at their own claims, and knock a few off. It can't be that many. You'd have the public number announced, but then the RAF yep. would have its own internal number. Whereas the Germans tended to be like, well, we shot everyone down. We shot the entire, we shot the whole of fighter command down yesterday, that sort of thing. And and they were so the two groups of people playing were given this informa- information kind of in the same way, and then offered decisions to make. And like I said, so it's so it's a closed game, so they don't know what the others are, what the others are thinking. And Griffith wanted to run a game, you know, because there's Kenneth Maxey, who's who's a who's a, 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 a you know an excellent an excellent Second World War historian, a very you know written some interesting stuff, and and I I drawn a little bit of what he wrote about Hobart when uh, uh, Percy Hobart when I was writing Command. Right. He wrote a book called Invasion, in which the Germans win, and uh, you know the land gut campaign is a, a foregone conclusion. German air power is what stops the um, Royal Navy from intervening properly, and he and, and the. The, you know, the, the, the problem is, is that he assumes that the Luftwaffe have the anti-shipping training and weapons that, that came along later in the war. You know, the, the capability that the Japanese have, for instance, or the right. Americans developed later in the war. And of course, they don't, because as we discussed in the oh, last... they don't have pod- enough aircraft. They don't have enough aircraft, because we discussed in the last, last podcast, this sort of battle, this sea lion battle, is the last sort of thing that the entire German setup has ever been uh, uh, configured for. So... Griffith wanted to put this all to the test and he ran two games. The one we'll talk about really is the 1974 game, the original sea line plan. And then he devised a game in Duxford um, called the Duxford Gambit in 2009, where basically the Germans go in through Harwich and Clacton and South End in order to seize London immediately with diversions in Kent that don't, that don't work. But basically it's, it's, it's a fascinating story because what he decides to do, is um is the, the 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 rules are put together so that you know you're running you're running the battle such as uh you know um fighters can turn around can turn around in 15 minutes but they're only allowed five sorties a day capital ships need four hours notice to sail an unopposed tank brigade moves at one and a half miles per hour if you oppose it the tanks go at um you know one mile an hour and, and you know, and so on. So it's all it's all very, very carefully worked out. Um, and what he decides to do for this game is get experienced people, Second World War people, to play the to make the decisions. So the Germans are Adolf Galland, right, to run the make the Luftwaffe decisions. 
and he's got um, uh, uh, on his expert panel. He's got Mayal Rudolf Rottenfelder. There's <laughs> the Luftwaffe. The, 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 yeah, no. the Luftwaffe player is Admiral Ruger, um, with a German Navy expert panel. Oh yeah, Admiral so Ruger was um, yeah, was yeah. was Rommel's chum in Normandy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then you've got um, Doctor Rover, who's who's helping him. Uh, as his naval expert. The Navy player is Admiral Dr. Schunemann. Um, you've got Tretner from the paratroops, uh, 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 who's a Fauschebjäger expert. God, the and whole thing is bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Isn't this fascinating? Right? I mean, these people sitting there at Sandhurst. Yeah. In a room with someone playing Hitler, telling them what to do. Like, as the... They, 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 Griffith's got a... Uh, it's a British guy played Hitler. As, as the buck that stopped, you know, and then there's someone playing Churchill is where the buck stops on the big decisions. Then on the British, then the British side, you've got, um, uh, air chief marshal, Chris, Sir Christopher Foxley Norris, right. Um, uh, who, who, I mean, amazingly, he claims to have been shot down twice. Um, during the battle of Britain, he, he said once by Galland, right. Although what, then Griffith, well, yeah, exactly. Then the, but, but I think that's the hand of friendship being extended for the game. He goes, oh, you must shut me down or, or one occasion, old chap. Bit of a lot. I, th- uh, I think that's what Foxley Norris was doing. Because because actually, um, uh, Griffiths then looked into the records and found that he couldn't he couldn't place either of them in the place that they said that had happened and all that. So there was, was probably a bit of sort of, you know, fighter race bonhomie going on. Right. Um the the the, uh, the there was a an airborne general major general Glyn Gilbert who was OC of forty four Power Brigade which is the TA Power Brigade that existed until nineteen seventy eight who was a lieutenant in nineteen forty you know like guarding a pier or something and he's brought in to uh, to run the to run the British Army response on the British war game side and he was he was OC of the Joint Warfare Establishment and. Um, had, had revolutionised um, uh, infantry training and stuff during the during the sixties and seventies. Been instrumental in doing that. Quite an interesting, quite an interesting bloke. So he's the British, he's the British commander, and he brings with him a posse of officers from forty four parachute brigade, including one Major Murray, Royal Engineers, who pops up in the book as as one of the people helping on the game, along with a load of other people from forty four parachute brigade. So my dad, right. Which is the strangest thing. Then there's a load of people. There's there's from from Sandhurst. There's a load of people playing. So you've got then you've got naval umpires, land umpires, and all this. From Sandhurst, you've got um, a Brigadier Page who's playing Churchill. Um, there's uh, Lieutenant Commander Thomas who's uh, playing Hitler, um, <laughs> <laughs> and all these people and 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 umpires. And then there's a fellow as well who has got who apparently is absolutely brilliant. There's a fellow that Griffiths involves in the war game who knows 1940s train timetables, so that they can, so that they can realistically model the, the arrival of people by train in Kent, essentially. So they can look at how British internal train timetables were working, and he knew, and he knew it was across what the plans were for emergency British train, t- train timetables in 1940. So anyway, they run the they they run the game. And it, it, it's really, really interesting. They do it all with new. They do new in-game news reports. So they they run BBC news reports, Deutschland news. You know the wow. the news opened with a recording of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, the third movement. Goebbels oh spoke God, personally yeah, to the yeah, German yeah. people. Die Wochenschau. Exactly the whole thing. So they run it all. They, they, they run it all properly. And in the, and what's what's very interesting is so there's 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 a very dry book 
pretty dry book by Griffiths and John Curry, and it's based on it's based on Griffiths note, and it's by John Curry, and and this is the book with all the which this got all the grease in it, all the detail, you know, all all the thirteen hundred hours on the on the you know the, the hour by hour log that they did of that they did of the battle, and also. Griffith's writing to John Hackett, uh, General Sir John Hackett, because NATO oh, yeah. take a look at this, writes to Hackett and tells him, you know, the landing took place on the 22nd of September. And although the British were expecting on the Channel Coast, they were tactically surprised by the timing, you know, blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. And the peace offer that Hitler makes, uh, having been right. defeated, which is, which is really interesting, because the game climaxes with the bloke playing Hitler, um, De- uh, ordering Otto Scorzani to assassinate Churchill, <laughs> and, and the umpires—it's got the that umpire, bad, eh? Exactly, the umpires basically say, "You know what? That nah, we, we're not going to, we're not going to let that happen. We're not going to let you draw cards on that. It's over." But the, but the, the, the peace, the peace offer is basically, you know, um, we guarantee all British possessions overseas. German position in Europe is a dominant power to be not acknowledged publicly by Britain. Uh, British recognition of all German conquests, including the Channel Isles, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's this, I mean, I think it's done, it's done quite, quite realistically. Yeah. In, in, in that respect. What they don't, you know, what they're not interested in then is what would the political consequences be for Hitler had Sea Lion failed, which I think would have been pretty uh, uh, sticky for him, actually, had he embarked on this adventure and, and it, it gone wrong. But basically, the the game the game underlines that the Germans don't have the they don't have the wherewithal, no, um, navally they don't yeah. have the wherewithal uh, in the air, and the army isn't up isn't isn't up to it either, and it's really really interesting because they do go they go you know they 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 try and run it like properly on a, on a day by day thing. With these separate rooms, phone calls being made, decisions yep. going into the umpire. So, so how orders. do you make how do you make decisions? I mean, is it a roll of a dice, or I mean, what? what how, yeah. How well, you... so what happens is there are cards that get drawn. So you make your you, you, based on the intel you've got, what you think the situation is. You make your decision, you issue your orders, right. and then what the umpires do is that you know if you've ordered capital ships out, then there's the time delay. There's how long they take, and then right. there's this, this this so so for instance, there's an eighty five. I think they run it. So there's an eighty five percent chance of a bomber finding its target but a 65% chance of it hitting it. So when you send bombers 65% to a t- chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having it's found it. Having high. found it. All so right. there's still the 15% chance they don't find it. So 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 you know everything's I know. I I mean I th- I thought that was quite high, right? But one of the really interesting things they do. So as we were saying in the last in the last podcast that the Luftwaffe are just doing their thing and they're not and and then whatever they're doing isn't joined up to sea line. So what they what the Griffiths decided to do for this game is alter events so that um from the 7th of September rather than switching to London you know as the Luftwaffe do in the battle of Britain what they're going to do is carry on against RDF installations RAF stations and uh RAF command posts. Well, the, R- the RDF stations that they haven't actually touched since the 12th of August. Well, 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 well yes. But, but what's, I mean, th- what's interesting about this is the historiography that goes uh, and the history that goes into the scenario they're, they're running. I think that's quite, that's quite interesting. Is that a lot of the, 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 their initial starting point that some of, some of it isn't, isn't quite right in, you know, you know what I mean? It rests on the picture of the Battle of Britain that had been painted during the 60s, is what I'm saying. Right. So anyway, Griffiths decides that what he's going to do is is, is that the, uh, the Luftwaffe are going to they're going to carry on with an air superiority campaign 
So attacking the RAF, yep. attacking early warning systems, sensible. rather than rather than attacking London, right? Because that would be sensible, wouldn't it? If you're yes, it planning, would be. Yeah, if you're going to invade nineteenth, twentieth, twenty first, twenty second September, that's when you're going to go. That's that's what you ought to do, right? But what he do, so they run the game, and basically they can't knock out the, the stations, they can't knock out properly, they can't knock out the mobile units enough. And the thing about the RDF is it does detect is it can detect the, the uh, shipping. The, the, right. the um the barges coming and all that sort of stuff. So the Germans don't really have proper tactical surprise when their when their invasion fleet arrives during during the game. So on the nineteenth, Hitler the, the Hitler player orders a, a a full out an all out attack on London to to provoke terror and panic in the style of Warsaw or Rotterdam, right? Yeah. So you know, kind Reasonable. of appropriate. And this stretches, you know, in the game, this stretches the RAF to. Uh, uh, to, to fall, but doesn't deliver the, the knockout blow, they think, and all this sort of stuff. And what's interesting about this is that they run this game that in 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 uh, the autumn, the year before, they run this extra bit of Battle of Britain on a computer uh, 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 to get an outcome so that they so that when they start the land war game, the land and sea war game, that bit's been run and they know that they know the extent to which where the Luftwaffe have got to with this. Right. And what's happened to the REF in the meantime. Really, really, and obviously, this must have been a computer the size of a bungalow that sort of grinded <laughs> away to itself. And, you know, took 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 two days to deliver a result that we would, you know, you'd expect back in five. Not years even a K forty nine. Exactly, exactly. Not even a K forty nine. So this, is, so and obviously, what that different phase does is it attracts the Luftwaffe more than it does the RAF. RAF, uh, you know, stations uh, um, find those attacks survivable. This, you know, the, the, if you're doing this stuff. In September, the dadding system is sort of is up and running properly and is tuning itself so that, the, the, you know, the computer simulation seeks to show that, that you know, that, that even spoof attacks by the Luftwaffe won't work and that the RAF are able to, to deal with whatever is thrown at it, which I think is quite interesting. So so they play with the they play with the weather forecasts of the time and the actual weather. So so. You know, you're getting your weather forecast for today for making your decisions, and then what happens is the the actual the umpires know the actual weather, so you can decide to, you know, attack right. with this weather, and in fact the weather turns out to be different, which is part of what affects things. The weather in the channel kind of goes wrong, and the barges obviously go wrong, you know, and and the the the, the crucial event is at midnight. Um, on the night of 21st, 22nd of September, the home fleet is told to sail, which it does at 0200 hours. And that wow. basically, that basically, that's that. That by the wow. time the home fleet, by the time the home fleet gets to um, the channel, they're really, the the, the, the Germans are, 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 are buggered. And what but about it, all the minefields and everything? Well, the, well, the, there's, there's, the Germans try to lay mines, the British are laying mines, they're trying to clear mines. There's a whole... Uh, mine sweeping, Cause, yeah, because because mine, mine, mine laying and mine sweeping, help, you know, it helps a lot if you've got a lot more than the enemy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, and, and and obviously it was Harry Tate's navy, yeah. the sort of um, auxiliary patrol service, which was, yeah. you know, where they had fishing boats which were equipped with a kind of you know a cannon on yeah. the front, strapped. Yeah. So they the, run, so they run eighteen hundred, eighteen hundred on the twenty third. So that so. Um, uh, so, so at one o'clock in the morning on the twenty third, Coventry and three destroyers leave Portsmouth to renew sweeps. They lose one destroyer to submarine at the harbour mouth, one to e boats, five e boats sunk. So there's this constant 
ongoing thing. And then at eight o'clock that uh, 1800 that evening, Germans from Lava and Cherbourg meet the attack from the Western Channel with three destroyers, six type uh, 35 torpedo boats, four mower torpedo boats. In the battle, the British lose one destroyer, two damaged, including losses to a JU-88 attack. The Germans lose three destroyers, four mower, three type 35s. The Britons, British abandoned the plan to attack uh, Cherbourg as Recky has told them it is now empty. Continue the sweep to the east. It, it really, really interesting. You know, they caught, and then the, what they all, they, I mean, there's some lovely, lovely stuff for the from the game. At 20 hundred hours following that, there's a Fuhrer conference. All three service chiefs advise Hitler to withdraw. The army says it can hold the line only if it receives the second half of the divisions already landed. The navy said it has lost its covering forces. The Luftwaffe could not guarantee air power. Goering is killed in an air crash. Milch succeeds to command of Luftwaffe. Well, thank God that didn't happen. <laughs> I might have actually got somewhere. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, they wouldn't have exactly. done actually because Hitler's still in Hitler, so you know that would be that. Yeah. Um, but it's it, it's fascinating. I mean, the, the diary is the, the the day by day is absolutely is absolutely fascinating. Mm, it really sounds it. And I mean, and, they've tweaked quite a lot, though, haven't they? I mean, they've tweaked. Yeah, you know, they haven't yeah. just just. I mean, they've given the given the a few gimmies to the Germans to get to well, make their situation it. a bit better to get it going. And one of the things they they also make the guns the guns at Calais accurate and effective for, for shelling Dover. And I think I think they they shell Dover and sink a destroyer or something. You know that that right. because because. Griffith, I think, is clearly aware that actually the playing field needs levelling a little bit, even to let it start. <laughs> oh, but that's incredible, isn't it? Because what that te- what that tells you is that back in 1940, it was so way off yeah. ever happening. I mean, yeah. I always love this. I love the sort. You know, they are going to use Seabull ferries. You know, these these sort yeah. of you know, which basically can't cope with more than a two inch wave, yeah. and. and that's a slight exaggeration, obviously, but you know they're really not suited for for, for cross channel invasions. No, and and then they you know they haven't got enough motorized barges because, as no. we know, Germany's really under mechanized as yeah. a nation in nineteen thirty nine, sorry, nineteen forty, and so yeah. they're planning to use the motorized barges they've got to tow two others. Yeah, but the actual landing operation of trying to do that, yeah, is really not easy. I mean, the whole yeah. point of a landing craft is it goes straight onto the beach, the bow comes down, you run out. Mm. But you can imagine that on a barge, you can't run onto the beach and because there is no bow that opens. So yeah. you've then got to put out ladders. Yeah. But then the other two barges behind you are still sort of floating about at sea. So then what happens? What do you do? Get 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 someone out onto the beach and sort of haul them in. Yeah. A hauling yeah. party. Yeah. Which are being shot at. And yeah. Well, and the and the and you the know British it's it's, it's bonkers. And the British decide what, uh, and this is what uh, Griffith says to Hackett in his in his after match report. You know, the British, on on the other hand, prefer to contain the beachheads and not launch any big attacks until their main reserves arrive before launching any big attack. So, if you, you know, that the, the British are also trying to make sure that the Germans don't get off the beach, and the Germans are finding it hard anyway. It, 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 well, just just the logistics of getting out of a vessel onto yeah. the beach, yeah, just hasn't been that thought through at all. Yeah, that isn't designed for that p- function. So, and so I love the fact that the bomber commanders got thirteen squadrons aligned with chemical well, weapons. Yeah, well, well, does that not and, come and, into it? Does it come uh, into it? Well, no, bomber command bomber commands activities do re- do come into it in the fact that they are there. It's not not that, but it's the fact that they're what they're doing is disrupting landing. They're disrupting loading. They're disrupting 
uh, Kriegsmarine preparations the entire time, which is after all a big well, part of and employee- coastal command. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. So and frankly, training your- command as well, if you need to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's a part of your argument in the Battle of Britain book that people often factor out or forget to factor in bomber commands efforts, which is which is running the Luftwaffe ragged and wearing everyone out the whole time and adding to adding to the general state of attrition. Um, but but basically, so he says. And we'll take a break after this. Apart from a feeling amongst the umpires that the German army would have pressed its assault, it felt the result was realistic. The crucial factor in German defeat was the lack of sea power and the failure to achieve air superiority. So there it is. They wargamed it. We're going to take a break. We'll come back to discuss um, more Sea Lion um, and uh, what, what what we think of the result there. See you in a tick. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You have goals. Reach them fast with IU Online's accelerated degree programs. Our six and eight week courses are taught 100% online and can fit any schedule. Advance your career with a bachelor's in mathematics. It only takes 10 minutes to apply. Earn an Indiana University degree that's valued around the world. Get started today at IU Online. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? (laughs) Well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. 
In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me, I'm Murray and James Holland. And we've just we've just gone through the 1974 war game. Yeah, we're wargaming sea lion. Yeah, yeah. And it's so interesting. So the, so the weather forecast for the southeast of England, you know, issued for the 19th of September. Um, this is from the Admiralty, the Admiralty's forecasts, right? So moderate wind, west or northwest winds, some showers, average temperatures. And so they get they get given that. Yeah. And and the German side get given their weather forecasts. Okay. Which is and how different is it? Well, they're they're just different. They're different enough, you know. It's, it's yeah, yeah. It's, that's the point, isn't because it? Because it's because it is about these, um, uh, these um, you know, balances, tiny balances and minute differences. And there is there is there is a series of bomber command operations that are that are that are put into that into the um, that are they're not put in the Battle of Britain war game that they that they ran that we talked about a moment ago, but they are they're added in. And they they fit with well. This is I mean, it is interesting that that by September. I mean, you're not talking about. I mean, in July, I think there's sort of two and a half thousand Luftwaffe aircraft ready, and you know whatever it is, fourteen hundred British in total. Yeah. Well, that figure's gone up for the British by 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 September, and it's gone down for for the Luftwaffe. Yeah. And and you know that's nowhere near the kind of three to one advantage in numerical superiority that you need as the kind of you know rule of thumb about attacking. And you know, were you to mass your bombers, yeah, on one particular area, the Channel Crossing, that would unquestionably cause a big problem because it's concentration of force. You know, you, you know, the 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 bomber command absolutely could get two hundred bombers into the air at one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's not many times that the Luftwaffe well, did that against and, Britain. And also, the, the 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 and also the the thing you're asking of it is, you know, because I think people always think with bomber command, whether you know it. it Hitting things is very very difficult, but when you're when you're attacking the French coast or the Belgian coast, you know finding things is just that much easier. Well, and yeah, it's, and it's a target rich environment, whether it be yeah, whether it's a target it be rich the harbour of you know, yeah, and you know where you're going. It, it, it's not like try, it's not like trying to find Dusseldorf. It, no, it, it's it's a, a, a not such a problem. Absolutely. So, you know, and that's that's the issue for for the Luftwaffe pilots and their you know fighter pilots in in the Pas de Calais because you know you suddenly you've got these sort of seven. Whatever it is, fighter airfields all in one little very dense area. It doesn't matter if you're inaccurate because you can barely miss. Yeah, 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 exactly. But so, so I mean, I think that the interesting thing with this, with with the war game, is that you know the the story of running it and the effort that goes into it, and you know when you when you read about it, the the, the detail is fascinating. Richard Cox from the Telegraph, he also he wrote a novel in the uh, based on the war game. And what's quite interesting is he he builds in stuff that isn't in the that they didn't do in the war game. So he's got stay behinds in it, and you know, and also uh, Peter. So Peter Fleming, there's an episode where Peter Fleming in Cox's novel where Peter Fleming, you know, shoot assassinates a German officer, shoots a German officer, and so the Germans do reprisals. The Fallschirmjäger do reprisals on the village, and it's all horrifying and, mm. and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. Because yeah. he could put well, that, that would have happened, it. I'm sure. Well, absolutely, exactly. But but I, it, I mean, it's fascinating because they they. You know, they, in the Griffiths book, you have the German players' general briefing. 
you know, the, 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 what your briefing is, what you're supposed to be doing, what you're meant to do, you know, obtain a secure beachhead on British soil, the whole thing. What I think is so interesting about this war game is because Sea Lion, you know, and I think SSGB is a good example of this. Sea Lion is, you know, as the as the great untested, or it was until until this point, it was the sort of lurking fear. Yeah. Like we talked about in the last episode, there's this, this panic in London. There is all this stuff going on in London. I think one of the things that, after all, had the Germans, and the Germans are incapable of doing anything in July, as we talked about, or June, July, like we talked about earlier. Had they done that, they'd have also, what would the French, you know, you you remove Germans from the fight against the French army that still isn't done quite in June. What's that going to change in that? You know, every counterfactual generates other counterfactuals, doesn't it? Yeah, of what's course. It going, what's it going to do to that battle? Yeah. So I think it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's such an, it's such an interesting thing that they, that they, that they did actually do this. And, 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 they, they ran this war game, and and what's also fascinating is it then set a set in motion uh, uh, Sandhurst and 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 Cambly d- running war games properly like this. You know that 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 it they turned it into an option, um, which I think's you know that you need a big historic that it needed a big historic war game like this, like uh, to to fire people's imagination is sort of. Um, it's it's fascinating. And well, the- what's also fascinating, though, is is that in the real 1940. Yeah. So let's go to the, the real. This, in the real 1940, yeah. I mean, you know, the worry about an invasion did not go until the autumn. I mean, you know, yeah. your average punter, it was useful, I think, for the British government to keep that kind of sense of fear. You know, keep yes. everyone together, keep everyone going. You know, don't yes. take your foot off the gas because if you do, the Germans will come. All this kind of stuff, and and. There is this, day, you know, seventh of, of September, which is the first day the Luftwaffe bomb um, London properly. Yeah, is also the day where there's this this alarm. Cromwell is the code name, and you know this is an invasion imminent, and and the, the yeah. bells get rung, and and everyone sort of, you know, all the home guard are kind of clearing around, you know, manning their roadblocks, and yeah, and it sort of comes from nothing, and it's based on a sort of a piece of intelligence that it, you know, if they were going to do an invasion, they might be, and there's some signs of massing of barges and all the rest of it mm. but but it's still a kind of a, a, a false alarm and it's amazing that there is still this fear for it and i think you know in retrospect you know one one can remove oneself from from the kind of overwhelming panic and fear of such an eventuality and, and as we all know fear makes scrambles your brain i mean it, it just it just makes you think in a different way you know that yeah, sense yeah. of panic and because of the enormity of the german achievements in in, in france and the low countries and, and up to that point in the war Nothing can be discounted, yeah. And it's only a very, very small number of people who are starting to think, "There's absolutely no way, Jose, they're going to do that." And the really interesting thing is, most of them are American <laughs> because they've been sent over. The only person who's been the voice yeah. of doom is 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 Joe Kennedy, who is the ambassador, who's an absolute arsehole and obviously JFK's father, but a very unpleasant man, but a defeatist, but also a kind of a closet Nazi himself, really. Yeah. And and Tui Sputz, who, you know, we come across time and time again, ends up coming over in 1942 to take over command of, of the embryonic Eighth Air Force, then becomes the Supremo in the Mediterranean, then comes the Supremo of US um, strategic air forces in Europe as a whole. Yeah. Very important man. There's Raymond Lee, who is the yeah. um, military attache. Um, there's Admiral Gormley. Um, there's there's um, Ernie Pyle. The um, the journalist, there's um, Ed, what's his name from NBC? Um, um, all these journalists who come over, and they're all reporting the same thing. Germans haven't got a hope. Yeah. I haven't got a hope. 
They haven't got it. Yeah. You know, Britons could absolutely can take this. Germans are absolutely clueless. Not a chance. And of course, the British are brilliant at sort of, you know, taking them down to Dover or giving them an interview yep. with Admiral Charles Forbes. Yeah. Yeah. And all this sort of stuff. And all the chat is, oh, okay, absolutely fine. Yeah, we've got it all in hand. Yeah. And of course, yeah. they, they swallowed it all up. And one of the reasons why they're able to, to, to go back so positively and discount the invasion is because they're not British. <laughs> they haven't yeah. lived through the trauma of May yeah. and early June 1940 yeah, yeah, and, the, yeah, yeah, and the Dunkirk yeah, yeah. invasion. So their brains yeah. aren't scrambled. They're looking at it from an objective point of view in a way that Harold Nicholson, for example, can't. I mean, here's an example of someone whose brain was scrambled. Alan Clark, remember him? The, the, the yes. sort of horrible Tory greaser that um, uh, he, who wrote a, a, a history of the Battle of Crete as well, and was yes. a, an open admirer of Hitler's. Is the truth? Yeah. Uh, he he has a chapter at the end of um, uh, Richard Cox's Operation Sea Lion at the end of the novel, which concludes. In fact, the Germans could probably have captured London by the, at the end of May or the beginning of June simply by using the parachute and airborne divisions in no greater strength than they did against Crete the following year. I mean, that's just I mean, absolutely wrong and nonsense on total, every single level. Mad, mad bullshit, isn't it? Because yeah. because would, would we have fought when London was a heap of ashes? Po- possibly. But on balance, it is more likely that a peace formula would have been found with Lord Halifax and Samuel Hoare and other of Chips Can- uh, Channon's gentleman friends playing their part. I mean, <laughs> total, it's, 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 just it's complete junk. Uh, and it, it's fascinating. And there's, a, and there's a there's a chapter at the back in this book as well by Corelli Barnett, which is much more sort of dispa- dispassionate. And Barnett's, after all, one of the sort of, he's sort of the godfather of declinism. Arguments. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely um, is. Uh, um, but, you know, he says, he says basically, you know, what, what's, what Hitler actually does because we've talked we talked in the last podcast about hitler is irresolute he can't decide he doesn't know what to do and he doesn't know what to do he's irresolute because because basically he's been completely caught out by the situation is his mind has turned to the soviet union so what's actually happened is his he he has returned to the thing he really wants to do rather than the thing he suddenly got a possibility of being able to do that he'd never considered before and in that respect he's only human isn't he yeah you, you you know, it, it, the thing he's been banging on about forever, destroying um, Judeo-Bolshevism, is more is more likely to to actually be his focus than the thing he never ever imagined for the slightest moment he'd ever get the chance to do, which is invade the uh, United Kingdom and knock, no, knock he, it out he wants Br- he wants Britain to see for pace and be reasonable. Yeah, once they're off he... the continent because he's a continentalist. Because once continentalist. they're off the continent, yeah, yeah, the, it, yeah. Once their army's he... defeated. You know, which is how he sees things in terms of armies. What, this what, is my point. Armies defeat. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. Exactly that. Yeah. It's just, it's just. Us. I mean, the more I look into 1940, the more I, 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 I can't see a less than one percent chance of this ever succeeding. They just, they just don't yeah. have the resources for it. And I think I made this point before, but you know, when you look at the jeopardy that still is for Overlord, yeah, and you look how much that's front loaded in terms of deception and build up of of yeah. air forces, the absolute total necessity, not of just clearing the airspace over Normandy, but over the whole of Northwest Europe. Yep. The panic involved when that might not happen. The yeah. huge yeah, yeah. array of naval forces that have been brought in for this. And, and there's still huge jeopardy for it. The yeah. chances of, of, of Germany getting across is just literally zero. And, you know, the RAF did have these squadrons full of chemical weapons, which they were going to yeah. drop on any invasion fleet. 
Yeah. They were going to do a sort of, you know, effectively a low-level suicide run, just go in and drop drop the stuff, yeah. all this gas and all sorts of horrible nasties. Horrible and they nasties, had all that, yeah. and they had fuel. They had these, this flaming water that they were going to use, didn't they, where they were going to sort of yeah. jet oil and fuel into the sea and yeah. sort of turn it into a kind of massive flamethrower. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, It doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out where England's going to land. It's not. It's not like continental Europe where you've actually got a bit of choice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it is. It is. The thing is, but 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 you know, having said that, you know, you look. Alan Clark absolutely persuaded that it's a possibility. It shows. It shows. Yeah, but that's because he's he's. You know, Alan Clark is one of those sort of classic of of that type. And, and where he's completely sort of totally torn up by the end of the empire and all the rest of it, and then yeah. has sort of gone the other way. He's like a sort of spurned lover who's then yeah. then it's his job to kind of stick the knife into all these well, then he's one of those idiot donkeys. But he's completely bewitched by the um, uh, Falchion Jaeger as well. That, that's the the thing about his um, his, his account of Crete is he's completely he's completely bewitched by them as a as a. You know the the, the Fauci Megas Ten Commandments and all that sort of stuff. He, 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 just, he loves he loves yeah. all that. You know. The interesting um, thing uh, about the Fauschenjäger is is that there's a there's a German academic called Magnus Paul who is who's been writing about the, the Fauschenjäger and he basically says says this whole kind of elite status thing is just absolute horseshit. Yeah, yeah. I think he's wrong. But, I but, think he. I think he's not. Yeah, I think it. I don't think he's right. quite right, but I, I think he he just feels that the whole thing has been overblown. I think the the interesting yeah. thing about the Fauschenjäger is that they are all German and they are all volunteers. And I think as soon as you have an all volunteer, all German unit, it's different. It's yeah. different because you've got incentive and motive and and um you know a willingness to kind of use your own initiative and stuff in a way that you don't if you're the 65th Infantry Division full of Czechs and Poles. But you know you who fights particularly well in the Sea Lion game? No, the Australians. It's got, okay. it's got de- detail like that in it. Of course I do. It's fan- of course I do. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, how funny. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, I think, um, you know, if there were a way to, to run it again, that would be pretty interesting, wouldn't it? Maybe the, because, because after all, like I said, some of the, some of the history around what, what the Battle of Britain consists of is, was it, isn't quite right in the, in, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's 19, it's 1960s, 1970s Battle of Britain history. So maybe, I mean, I don't know who, who, if we could find anyone to rerun it, that would be worth doing, wouldn't it? I'd love to see it play out. Yeah, it would be funny, wouldn't it? Over the map table and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Well, maybe we should fix that up. Maybe we should fix that up, see if we know anyone who could help with that. Anyway, um, uh, thanks very much for, uh, for listening to this. I mean, we... It, That's been fascinating. Really, really interesting. I mean, the thing is, is, is that... Is the, I mean, I, the counterfactuals of it, because I think... Had the had the Germans attempted this and had it gone wrong, I think Hitler wouldn't have lasted another ten minutes in. Well, it's interesting at that stage. Maybe not because his, his grip is not quite as complete as it is, as it is later on in the war. Funnily enough, yeah, yeah. And know, certainly, you're not a military you're not a military genius anymore if you if you screw up a thing like that, are you? Because up to that point, he's the military genius. Yeah, no, no, no. That that would certainly dent that reputation. There's no getting away from it. Yeah, exactly. But no, it's and the army and the army would go. Well, you made us do it, you you idiot. They wouldn't yeah. go. We were dead keen, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> would they? I mean, the, 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 if if there's one institution in Germany, um, in in the 20th century that, that that proved itself quite capable of blaming other people for the decisions it's made, it's the German army, isn't it? it, it, it you know, all those the bonds. Well, yeah, exactly. Nothing to do with us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely extraordinary. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think I've been to asked about six times. I've been approached about doing a, a, a TV program to do mm. Sea Lion and what would have happened if there really was an invasion and all the rest of it. Yeah. And, and you know, every time I sort of go, yeah, I'm up for that, you know, whatever. And yeah. every time it never comes to anything. Because yeah. I think fundamentally there's not enough jeopardy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem. And I always say, <laughs> well, I'd love to do it. It'd be great. What a laugh. But, you know, wouldn't have had a chance. They go, yeah, I know. But, you know, if we did this, and, you know. But, <laughs> yeah, but, but, I, but I think it's you really can't get away from that. that it, you know, that's the problem. It's really interesting that it took having to do this to, to, to sort of actually put the seal on it, I think. That, 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 you know, that they had to wargame it in the end to put the seal on it properly. Yeah, I suppose so, because that's all part of the myth, isn't it? The close run thing and a narrow margin yeah. and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And, and you know, I remember when I was going around talking to all these Battle of Britain veterans, they were sort of going, well, it's a bloody close run thing, you know. And you know, and you can and you can get that interview with Park in 1963 saying, or whatever it is, sort of yeah. going, well, you know, it's a bloody close run thing. And, you know, we were staring down the barrel in the end of August, beginning of September 1940. But so, that also you, coincides... Well, you weren't. You just weren't. But that coincides with the government's cutting fighter command yeah, in the early sixties. Yeah, it's all and that. trying it's to all switch that in, to yeah. switching to missile defence and getting rid of fighter yeah. planes. It's, yeah, it's, it's all much to do part with... of that, and and it's all yeah. part. It's all wrapped up in you know it's a it's a it's a birth of declinism, and it's all part of it. You know, it's, I think it's really interesting they're doing it in nineteen seventy four because of course you know yeah. declinism has started to take root at this point. You know, it's yeah. the end of Britain as a great great world power, end of empire, post war guilt. You know, isn't nineteen seventy four the three day week? You know, etc. Yeah. etc. Uh, et et so. Of course, all that is sort of coming into it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But but exactly. But you, you sometimes wonder where where the, the, you know these great military figures where, where they're sort of you know what history they've been learning and what what they're thinking <laughs> and how they could possibly <laughs> think this because you know they should know better than you or I how kind of you know you, you know navies you, you work. And, the last thing you're going to do is say, ah, well, you know, thank thanks to the Royal Navy, we won the Battle of Britain. You're not going. You know. Well, you, 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 but you don't need to say that. You, you know, I always get irritated <laughs> with the kind of you know the, the last line of defence. You know, the RF is the first line of defence, and it doesn't get yes. defeated. They don't. They don't get to the last line of defence. Yeah, because the last line of defence was the Home Guard. The Home Guard. They don't get close. Yeah. Don't get close to it. Well, it's the auxiliary unit, isn't it? I suppose. It's there. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But, but well, I mean, exactly, you know, exactly. they, they don't get remotely close to that. Yeah. And you know, the RAF do win the Battle of Britain because. The Luftwaffe don't destroy them, so it doesn't. It doesn't even get to stage two, phase two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's because because of the structure, because of the intelligence, yeah. because of the you know, etc. Well, et cetera, and also how how and and the reverse, how bad the Luftwaffe is at this thing that's been given to do. How ill ill suited and poorly led it is as well is is a big part of it. That the the doubting system is is this ruthless, efficient machine. But if the Germans had figured out a way of cracking it. They may, they may have been with a chance, but they never were with him with a chance because they didn't have the, the people in charge and the systems in place to overcome it. So, you know, we go back to your foregone conclusion there, Jim. Yep. Well. well, and it all comes down to a man Q-E-D. called Milk. E-D. Um, <laughs> or is it Milk? Milch. Milch. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, we hope you've enjoyed our... Um, two-part sea lion specials uh we'll see you all very soon bye bye cheerio